Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. Today, it's it's a very serious episode, and it is all about coercive control. What is coercive control? How to identify it? Kind of why it happens? What it looks like? Okay, there's about there's ten points, ten different things that people do in coercive control. There's a bit more than 10, but these are by far like the really main ones that occur um, in a coercive controlling uh, relationship. And very important to learn how to identify it, whether it's happening to you or whether it's happening to somebody that you know or somebody that you care about. Um, And also it's really important to understand that coercive control is a form of domestic abuse. Okay, I think a lot of us have this idea that a domestic abuse is physical abuse, but it ex- extends f- way further than just physical abuse. There are so many different kinds of domestic abuse that we need to acknowledge as being that, um, and we need to do something about that. I don't. Ha- I'm not going to give you an update on my personal life today, and I'm not going to give a brain fact. There's just so much that I need to pack into this episode. So let's get straight into the topic of today which is coercive control. So recently in Australia, there's been a lot of talks about coercive control and there a lot of the state governments are pushing for this reform in domestic violence laws. They want coercive control to be included as domestic violence. Um, I'm pretty sure that in most states it's not yet, but they're, ma- they're in the process of making it illegal um, to the extent that the punishment can be up to seven years in prison for coercive control. So it's um, so yeah. Several states are moving to introduce some like much stricter bills to make sure that domestic violence, the term domestic violence, encompasses a whole lot more than just physical abuse, because um, there's obviously many forms of domestic violence, and every single form should be taking taken very seriously. Now it is illegal in the UK, and it's not illegal in the US. In the US, a crime has to have been committed in order for it to be illegal, but in and of itself, it's not considered a crime independently. And I think that globally, this is something that needs to be taken very, very seriously. Because once you hear me break down what constitutes as coercive control, it's actually quite mind-blowing that it's not already illegal and considered legally a form of domestic abuse. Um, and another interesting slash terrifying statistic is that in almost all domestic violence murders, like within like a couple, the abuser is characterised by using coercive and controlling behaviours towards their partner prior to the murder. So there's a really strong link. It's really fucking terrifying Um, and you will might listen to this thinking I'm kind of seeing red flags in my relationship or I've been in this kind of relationship or I know somebody who for sure is in this kind of relationship, okay? So what does it look like? And what is the abuser's aim? So the ultimate aim in coercive control is to put the abuser in a position of power. It's all about power. And in most scenarios, someone that's that power hungry, especially when it comes to relationships, has some deep-seated insecurities. They've got like some serious problems going on with how they feel towards themselves, okay? So this, this, this crazy need for power and that's how they validate themselves. And they do this by instilling fear in their partner. They, they break them down, they control them, they oppress them, they take their power away from them to the point that their partner feels that even though the situation is so horrible, they absolutely cannot leave. They've lost all power, all independence, um, everything. So they feel like quite fearful, quite terrified, so they stay. 
And from the outside, many people think, well, if, if it's so bad, why don't you just leave? And you, you, you kind of hear that around or, you know, that you might hear comments being made that, you know, you can just leave. Why don't you just leave? If it's that bad, just break up with them. But someone with that kind of mentality has clearly only lived a life where they've not been exposed to any relationship remotely close to this or they've not witnessed firsthand what this kind of abuse does to the emotional state of somebody, okay? Because it is abuse. And when someone is abused, it completely changes the dynamic of what it is to just walk away from a relationship. It's very, very different. When you are being abused... When you're being physically abused or emotionally abused, it completely changes this concept of, oh, just fucking leave, okay? So if you think it's so easy and someone could just leave, then it means that you have no concept of what coercive control is. So let's get into some of the key points to identify what coercive control is, to identify it for yourself or to identify it to see if it's happening to a loved one, a friend or even a colleague, okay? Now... Not all of these points have to occur. I think I've I think I've got like 10 or so points. Not all of them have to occur for this to be considered coercive control. Sometimes they all happen together. Sometimes it's just a few of them. But each of them do count as coercive controlling behavior, okay? And before we get into it, coercive control is before I get into the first point actually. Coercive control is a lot more common from a man towards a woman than any other gender dynamic because, of course, coercive control happens across all kinds of relationships, across all genders. Um, But one of the reasons it is most by far, by far most common in the man to woman dynamic is because of this cultural concept of gendered roles, right? Right. For example, the Central Queensland University, I was reading an article that was published by the Central Queensland University, and they found that cultural ideas on gender and traditional gender norms and traditional gender roles, quote unquote, contribute to patterns of coercive behavior because it reinforces this idea that men have this control over women in relationships. In many cultures, the ideas that we have around gender roles can actually prevent coercive control being recognized easily or even taken seriously as a form of domestic abuse depending on how you were raised or in which culture you were raised in. But it doesn't mean that it's not abuse, okay? So let's get into the points on what coercive control is. And based on what I just said, point number one is reinforcing the outdated gender roles. So this often is um, like in general – Speaking in general terms, it's often a man trying to keep the woman at home, trying to keep her taking care of the house and taking care of the family, ideally not having them earn an income either, okay? This makes it a lot easier to control somebody if you are the primary breadwinner slash the sole breadwinner. Um, But it's really easy to hide as well. Culturally, in a lot of cultures and for a lot of people socially, Because it comes across as, oh, I just want to be the provider for my family. I'm a traditional man. I'm a traditional man. I just want to provide for my family. I don't want you to have to work. I want to look after you. So you can really hide it quite easily with this concept of I want to look after you. But in reality, it's a really, really um, effective way to start controlling someone by removing their source of income, by removing their financial independence and keeping them at home. Not to say that someone who decides to stay at home and be a, a homemaker and take care of the kids, obviously that in and of itself is not abuse. But if someone is 
forcing you into that situation, then that is one of the, you know, one of the points of coercive control. And then additionally to that, it's you must cook for me. If you don't cook, then you're, you're lesser than if you're not cleaning, if you're not basically, you know, looking after me pretty much is what they're expecting. The second point is controlling finances and what access you have to money. So as Judge Judy says, the moment you rely on someone else for money in a relationship, it is game over. And it is so fucking true. When in, when in this kind of relationship where you have to rely on somebody else um, in a coercive controlling situation, the abuser is basically giving you spending money or a limit to what you are allowed to spend. So that way you feel like they own the money and you are being given some of this money as a gift or as an allowance, but it's not yours for the taking, okay? This is something that is theirs that they are letting you have, okay? So that's the dynamic that they want to keep you in. So you have no real control over the finances and you have no real control over how much you want to spend and on what. So even, and this is the fucked thing about it, is because a lot of people in these controlling situations, the abuser genuinely believes that because they are the primary breadwinner, they own all the money that is coming in. So they don't take into account the fact that their partner is taking care of the home, raising the children. A lot of abusers genuinely do not see that as being entitled to half of the income, even though that's exactly what it should be. They see it as, well, this is my money, I've earned it, but I'll let you spend some money. No cunt. No, that's not how it works. If you are in a dynamic where one partner is the homemaker and raising the children and the other one is the sole breadwinner, you have equal or should have in a healthy relationship, equal access to that money. It is a family and you are both pulling your weight in different ways, okay? But in a coercive controlling relationship, it is not the case. The abuser will kind of give you drips and drabs of money or they don't give you any access to money at all and they make they do all the the purchasing of everything so you can only kind of have access to what they buy for you there's a lot of people out there especially in these relationships that have this idea that in order to show love a woman has to cook for them and clean for them, you know, like this idea of like, oh, you know, that's how I, that's how I feel loved, you know, a nurturing woman, a nurturing woman. So they consider a nurturing woman to equal love, right? And there's this whole fucking culture around that, you know, like someone who cooks and cleans for you, that's, you know, someone who basically imitates your mother, basically, as far as like the chores that they do at home. And they consider that to be love. So they, they basically saying your free labor equals love. God forbid when a woman then wants the man to pay on a date and they turn around and say, oh, gold digger. Cunt, it's the fucking same thing. When you pay for a date, it's with money where that you worked for. Yet these same coercive abusers will expect the woman to work for free for them. At the end of the day, it's time spent doing something. Okay, so they have to work free labor and slave away in the kitchen and cook you a meal. That's okay. But God forbid that they would want you to pay for the date where you've worked in the office to earn money. Okay, so there's this fucked skew. Watch out for people who make nasty comments about, oh, you know, she expected me to pay on the date, but then is the same kind of person that expects their date 
to be the one that's going to cook and clean in the home. Very toxic. That's a huge fucking red flag. I've got no problem with someone not wanting to pay on a date if they also want to cook and clean. Fantastic. If you want to share all the roles equally across the board, there are no issues that no one should be paying, no one should be cooking, nothing's assumed and that's fine. But there's this very toxic population, let's just say, of people, mainly men, unfortunately for everyone involved, that will expect this kind of nurturing behaviour that mimics a mother to a young child. They want that same level of attention um, but then are quick to judge a woman when she would expect a man to pay on a date. Okay, so watch out for that. So to get back to point two, which is controlling finances and what access you have to money, what the point I'm trying to make with all of this is that there's this assumed, oh, it's just part of who you are to cook and clean for me and to to rear the children. However, the money that I've earned with my time, that's my money. I fucking earned it with my time. So they have this entitlement to that money, even though at the same time everyone's putting in labour for the for the greater good of their relationship or their family, they have this really fucked up um, entitlement to their own money and act as if it's all theirs and they don't take into account all the quote-unquote unpaid or free unpaid labor that you've done for them and for the family okay um so that's a huge indicator of a coercive controlling relationship in a normal healthy relationship you would both have access to that money because the partner who's the primary breadwinner understands that the other partner is pulling in unpaid labor which is equally as important okay number three gaslighting now I have an entire episode just on gaslighting. It's episode 39, to be precise, if you guys want to go check it out, if you think this might be happening to you. Um, But in a nutshell, in gaslighting, they're the kind of people that are going to make up shit and tell you that they already told you. Like they'll come home and say, oh, you know, why didn't you do this? And you're like, well, I had no idea. Well, I told you this. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And even though they never told you, for example, they're going to make you believe that you forgot something when you didn't or that you were the person at fault when they're actually the one at fault, or that you should have taken responsibility for something when in reality it was their responsibility, or that you're getting upset about something that's actually totally normal and it's this idea where they're accusing you of being a psychopath for even getting upset about something. You end up feeling really confused. You end up feeling like the idiot in the relationship And then you start to feel like you can't really trust yourself because you doubt yourself, you doubt your memory, you're less likely to back yourself when you are accused of something because you think, fuck, they've accused me of this quite a few times, am I the common denominator? You start to think that maybe they're right and that you just have bad judgment, bad memory or that your idea of yourself is wrong and it literally is a form of brainwashing. They slowly start to brainwash you and they are teaching you to doubt yourself instead of to doubt them, okay? So that's gaslighting. But go and check out the full episode, um, episode, what did I say? Episode 39, okay? Number four, this is a very, very common one in coercive controlling behaviors, um, relationships. Monitoring what you do closely or just monitoring what you do. So... There's a whole list of things and there's more than what I'm about to mention, but he's just a bunch of them. Needing to know where you are at all times. Using the excuse that they just don't trust anyone around you. Oh, it's not that I don't trust you. I just don't trust other people. That whole fucking saying. 
going through your phone and reading all your messages or when you get home, giving your phone at any point, feeling that they have this total access to anything that's on your phone. They have your passcode, they can access all your messages and they do so often. Um, Controlling your social media in the sense of what you post, who you follow. I don't want you following that person. You need to unfollow that person and what you actually post on it. Expecting you to share your location on your phone so they can see via GPS where you are at all times. Uh, Not letting you take your phone with you when you leave the room. That's a big one. They never want you alone with your phone, especially when you're in their presence. In some extreme cases, they won't even let you close the door when you shower. You can't have the bathroom door closed. Getting offended if you want to shower alone. They expect you to shower together all the time. It's this concept of never giving you alone time even in the shower. You know, and this not all the not in every case, but that's that's one that does happen. Now, this idea that they must be around you at all times, and if they, it's basically they have to be around you at all times, and if they can't physically be around you, they need to be able to access you at all times, okay? It's if you don't answer the phone call, they cause a fucking scandal, they're hitting the roof, why didn't you answer my call, this and that. They want you to be available for them no matter what, no matter when. They don't give a fuck if you're out to dinner with your friends or family. Actually, they're more likely to try and call you during those times because they want to know that you will put them above anyone else. You'll be out with your friends and they'll call you and hold you on the phone talking smack about bullshit just to know, have this power play of like, I get to pull you away from your family and friends and you will stay on the phone until I'm good and ready to leave, okay? My ex used to do that to me and it was awful, 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 awful. And there was so many fights around this, like so many fights where I would end up just caving because it was, it'd give me literally a headache to stay engaged in the argument that I'd end up just folding and saying, okay, like, yeah, okay, you're right. Like looking back, I'm like, that was brainwash 101. But that's what they do. So if you're ever, if you ever start dating somebody and you, like especially in the early days because this is great to nip it in the bud. Uh, Obviously, it's different advice if you're already deep in a relationship with this person because there's more involved and I'll talk about that later. But if you just start seeing somebody, especially in the early days, and you notice them get annoyed or angry or emotional because they couldn't reach you, and I'm not talking about you ignoring them all day long and then them being like, it would have been nice if you had called me back. I'm not talking about ignoring. I'm talking about them getting pissed off because they couldn't reach you and you didn't answer the phone. You give them one chance, one fucking chance. You explain to them very clearly that you will not be made to feel bad for not being accessible at all times. You have a fucking life. You own your own time. When it is appropriate, you will call them back, okay? And just because they call you does not mean that they talking on the phone to them is more important than talking to your friends or family who you are actually seeing face-to-face in person, okay? Do not fall for that. What if it's an emergency? You are not living your life um, anticipating an emergency every fucking day, okay? Emergencies and tragedies happen. You're not ghosting them all day long. However, if you're out to dinner, there is nothing wrong and nothing unhealthy about putting your phone in your fucking handbag on silent and engaging with the person that you're out to dinner with or out to lunch with or whatever, okay? If they can't reach you for that hour and a half, they can't fucking reach you. 
People managed to survive fucking 15 years ago before we had mobile phones. Don't fall for the trap of someone saying, what if it's an emergency, okay? Bullshit. They just want to contact you whenever they, they want. So you give them one fucking chance. If they don't quickly snap out of it and say, oh, you're right, sorry, I just had this dynamic in the past and I'm used to that or, oh, whatever. If they turn around and say, no, 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 I'm sorry, but you fucking run. You run because that instantly, instantly tells you, I think that you need to value me above everything. I have to be the priority above you. Bullshit. You are your own priority. They come second. In order for a relationship to succeed, the individual has to be their own priority, okay? Then comes the partner. And that is how you create a happy relationship. There is no other way. When it comes to coercive control, you have to fucking see it coming a mile away. I would give someone one opportunity, one opportunity, and they will never get the chance to do it again, okay? Number five, isolating you from people around you. Now, this is really common. And this can be by, often it can be by pretending that they know how to read people better than you do. And they'll say shit like, oh, your friends are a bad influence or you're bad at judging character and I'm really good and I can tell. I'm just trying to protect you from your friends because blah, 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 blah. They make shit up about people around you to turn you off those people. Um, often, not in, this happens in a lot of d- different relationship dynamics. It's not just male, female, female, male. It could be all gendered relationships, but they act that they think that your friend has a crush on you, even though they don't. So they don't want you hanging out with that friend. It's very, very common being like, oh, I don't want you hanging out with that guy because I can tell he's got a crush on you. That's so typical or with that person or with that girl, whoever, you know, even though that person does not have a crush on you, that's a perfect excuse for them being like, the only reason that person's messaging you is because they want to fuck you. So that's, you know, you need to stop messaging them now. And if you continue to message them, you're disrespecting me. Are you going to deny it? Are you going to deny it? Like that really infuriating chat. And it's really hard to reason with somebody like that. Okay. Now, another really typical thing is when a man says, Men only want one thing. Men only want one thing. So basically they're incriminating themselves if they ever want to hang out with a female. But anyway, that's a really common one and they'll make it seem like it's impossible to have male friends because according to them, and they happen to know every man in the world personally, they believe that men only want one thing, which is obviously bullshit. In extreme cases, they can even get you to turn against your family. They'll start creating lies about the family um, and find ways to turn you against them. Now, another way to isolate you is by creating those like weird and okay, when I say this, not everyone who has this is in a controlling relationship, but but those fucking joint Instagram accounts, often if you are in a coercive controlling relationship, they will want a joint Instagram account. Like what the fuck? But the reason is because they have then access to all the DMs and Someone who's going to DM you is like, who am I fucking speaking to? Am I speaking to this person or that person? Am I speaking to both of them? Are they both reading the DMs? So people are less likely to interact with you on a, you know, on a really intense level via DMs because it's this weird joint fucking couples account. Like, can I just say, if you have a couples account, good on you, whatever. But fuck that shit. I can't think of anything worse than having a combined account with Tyrone. Like, love him so much, but 
lol, no thank you very much. Another way that they will isolate you is they will expect you to spend all your free time with them, but then also refuse to hang out with your friends and never put in the effort. So then it ends up being I either hang out with them or my friends because they'll always make up a reason why they don't want to hang out with your friends or the fact that they don't like your friends or that they're tired or they're busy, but they expect you to put them as the priority. So by default, you end up having to cancel on your friends or not see your friends because you have to see them 24-7, okay? Um, They only ever want to hang out with you one-on-one. They never want to socialise, especially with your side, your groups of friends or whatever. Now, another one is trying to get you to move away so it's just the two of you and they can have more control over you or like move you away from your family or your inner circle, but they can stay close to their comfort zone and their family and friends. That's okay for them. Um, Next one, restricting your freedom. This is where they're just blatantly not letting you do things, not letting you choose what you wear, if you can wear makeup and when and how much makeup and what what style of makeup what activities you can do, if any, um, stopping you from working or insist that you only work like a particular kind of job or you only work from home, things like that. That is basically telling you what you can and cannot do with your own time. That's very, that's one of the most common ones. Number seven, accuse you of cheating and then punish you for it. So they will accuse you of cheating by being, by maybe they've seen you message a friend or you get a, whatever. And they'll just instantly make up, you must be cheating. That's the only possible conclusion. You're having an affair. Okay. And then they punish you for this hypothetical affair that you haven't actually had. And they do that by isolating you. They'll push you away and they'll ignore you. But before they do this, they've already done a lot of their groundwork. They've already isolated you. They've made you feel like you need them. They've made you feel like they are better than you and you're punching. You're never going to get anyone like that again. You feel very, very insecure. You get to the point where you feel that if this relationship were to break down, you would not be okay And not only would you not be okay and you would have nothing and no one and no money, but you would also never get anyone as good as them. You think that that they're the be all end all because they've gone through this whole convoluted process of abusing you to the point where you're brainwashed. Okay. So once they've done that, they will then do another power play, which is accuse you of cheating and then ignore you and push you away. So they take everything away from you, then accuse you and then pull away. So you feel fucking lost and that's when you become desperate and you'll start doing desperate things to get them back you will plead and beg for them to take you back you literally are crawling back to them because you've been so abused you have nothing your self-esteem is on the ground you feel like you cannot survive with them and this feeling is so heavy that it's tied in with these deep feelings which you believe to be love for them Okay. And it is a form of love. It's a very toxic love, but you love them. Okay. And this cycle then allows them to gain crazy amounts of power and control over you. It's this push pull. The more they engage in this push pull, once they have a hold on you, the more they can get you to do whatever they want. Because if then they take you back, you are then going to do whatever they want. Whatever they want, because you think, oh my God, I've experienced being on the outside. It's terrifying. I have to have them take me back. Then they take you back and then they start being more and more abusive. They start pushing the line further and further and further. And you think, well, at least they took me back. I'll just accept it. 
You know, that's how they control someone to the point where they don't even, you barely recognize yourself after some time in that relationship. It's terrifying. But we're not all robots. Brainwashing happens. So while it's awful to see someone go through that and you might from the outside think logically, just fucking leave. For them, it's not logical. It's not a a simple logical solution because they've gone through this whole process where their self-esteem has been shattered. Okay? So it's not so simple to just walk away. Next one, number eight, sexual control. This is where the partner is demanding sex and demanding a certain amount of times per week as a minimum, okay? And making you feel awful and really bad about yourself and to blame if you don't want it. And they act as if something's wrong with you. They act like, oh, everyone's always wanted sex with me. The fact that you don't want it, you must be, there's something up, something's up with you, something's wrong. Demanding certain kinds of sex and making you feel inadequate if you don't want to do what they want. They might request certain things from you and you're like, oh, I don't actually want to do that. I don't feel comfortable. And they make you feel like you're inexperienced or inadequate in the bedroom for not wanting those things. They might force you to have sex without a condom. They might force you to, to film sex. Just things that you don't want to do. All these things, if you want to do it, amazing. But they're trying to force... the their wants on top of you and they feel that their wants have to override your wants or what you don't want. Anytime you're engaging in intimacy with a partner and you don't want to do something and they make you feel inadequate, experienced or name call you, that is abuse. That is abuse, okay? It's, it's, it's overtaken bullying to abuse. They are getting you in a really vulnerable point and then they try and tear you down at your most vulnerable. When you open up to someone sexually, especially a partner, an intimate partner, someone who you are in a relationship with where there's emotional intimacy as well and you are opening up to them sexually and you're trying to be honest with what you want or what you don't want and they then try and tear you down in that moment, that is premeditated emotional abuse huge warning sign that's a huge fucking warning sign never try and impress these people because it's not they're not they're not looking to get impressed they're looking to gain power over you second last one number nine parental alienation this is where the partner the abuser gets the children to side with them and turn against you so unhealthy so sad so sad and cruel to everyone but they get their children, no matter what the age, to turn against the other parent, the parent that they're trying to abuse. So it's kind of, so then if you're the one that's being abused, it's kind of your whole family against you. It's you against everyone. They try and get in between or outright ruin the relationship that you have with your children by putting ideas, planting ideas in their children's head, okay? And it's just another way of making you feel isolated and powerless in your own home, in your everyday life. And then because of this, because they've turned your children against you, it's even you're even less likely to want to leave or to try and leave because if you leave, then you think, I'm never going to see my children again. My children will be completely turned against me that they won't have a bar of me because they'll be fully brainwashed by the other parent. Your children, you're going to believe that your children will not only not want to go with you, but be more likely to believe any lie that the other parent tells them. Because the other parent can easily say, they've abandoned you, look what they've done. It's so much easier for them to turn the children against you. So you feel even more trapped 
Because even though you're in a household where you feel that everyone's against you, the alternative is leaving and having your children believe that you wanted to leave them and and kind of it turns them away from you forever. That's what you feel is going to happen. And this makes you feel like you are constantly walking on eggshells as now everyone in the household doesn't really respect you. And then on top of that, there's no consequence for when the children disrespect you because if your children disrespect you, you don't want to get angry at them or punish the children or, or have you know any repercussions for the children because they're just going to turn around to the other parent and the other parent's always going to side with them. So it stops you from disciplining the children and the children start getting away with more and more. The children start perceiving you as a doormat. They see the other parent as kind of the one to look up to, the more dominant figure. And it creates this really awful, awful dynamic in the household where you feel that you just absolutely cannot leave because then you feel like you're going to cho- lose the children for good. That's kind of the, the feeling that the other partner's trying to get you to feel. And that's called parental alienation. Now, the last one, number 10, is blackmail. Given all the control that they have over you, they likely have a lot of information or like they've got basically like collateral. They've got images or videos or things that they can use to blackmail you with. Um, They can also use things that you've said about your family or friends. They can use those things against you to threaten to reveal all those things if you leave. They also might threaten to tell lies about you so that if you ever were to leave, No one would believe you and everybody would take their side. It's just another way of making you feel like you would not survive socially or in any other way without them. So they use this blackmail. If you leave, I'm going to tell so-and-so that you said this or I'm going to show everyone evidence of this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, those are 10 points. There are more things. There's a lot of things, but they're kind of like the key indicators of a coercive controlling relationship. Often, not always, but often, these relationships will start with love bombing. I have an episode on love bombing to identify. It's episode 91. Not all love bombing um, relationships end up in coercive control, but a lot of coercive, coercive control relationships start off as love bombing. And the reason that this works so well is love bombing is a really effective way for abusers to make somebody fall for them and need them very, very fast. You get very used to how they are treating you, how are they acting, the comfort that you feel so quickly, how loved you feel at the beginning and then they have you, then they start to slowly, slowly take it away, take it away and they have you always fighting to get that level of love back um, and get that level of attention and um, affection back. So go listen to episode 91 if you haven't already, if you want to know more about love bombing. But it is basically, it's another form of brainwashing that occurs over a period of time. And then once they've got you, then they slowly work on breaking you down. So what are, this, what are a couple of things that you can do if you find that you are in this situation? Number one, if you feel that this might be the case for you, you are not crazy and don't try and convince yourself otherwise, okay? I think a lot of people might hear this and think, oh my God, that's terrifying. I don't want to admit this. No, I must be confused, whatever. Your instincts are there for a reason and this behavior is not okay and you don't have to justify your partner's abusive behavior. You are not crazy. If your instincts are telling you this is exactly what's happening to me, 
your in- instincts are probably right. You are probably right, okay? So the first thing to do is to acknowledge the truth and to just let yourself acknowledge that this is happening to you, okay? The second one is to reach out to somebody that you can trust and don't think that it has to be someone in your inner circle. So often we don't tell our friends or our family about this because we think that it's just too close to home and that they might not too much information and that it's just going to get quite messy and then if you don't leave the relationship, people are going to worry. If If you're too terrified to tell somebody that you know too closely, you can reach out to a trustworthy colleague that you can confide in or you can reach out to like you can call a hotline or something like that. But don't think that someone's not going to take you seriously. If you reach out to someone at work and you confide in them, People will take this seriously, okay? You just need to find someone who you can alert in private so you can feel safe but heard, okay? Number three is to have a plan. Somewhere that maybe you could stay for a few nights, Some someone who can have you at their home in the interim. Sometimes if you feel that there's nothing or no one, the chances of leaving are slim to none because you just think, well, what? there's nowhere I can go and whatever. If you have a, a bit of a plan, then you start to feel a bit more empowered, a little bit more equipped for your future. And then for people that this is not happening to directly, but for people on the outside, if you know of someone that might be going through this, reach out Offer them accommodation. Offer to look after their children after school, okay? This can allow someone to start making some arrangements and plan to get out, okay? Um, Another really important thing is as frustrating as it is to see someone that you care about or see someone that you love in a situation like this, do not judge them and do not be overly emotional about the situation because someone who's already in an abusive situation, the last thing they fucking need is someone blowing up, screaming at them, telling them what they do. You have to live, you have to have Do not fucking do that. It is so overwhelming. They are already at their fucking limit. Do not then yell at them telling them what they should or shouldn't do because it's very easy to boss someone around from the outside and, and especially when you're really passionate about wanting to help them. But the best thing you can do is to come from a non-judgmental place and offer support and, and somewhere to turn to, okay? If they feel supported and they feel that you have their back, no matter what, no matter how many times they say they're going to leave but don't leave, but you're always there for them, the likelihood of them actually leaving and coming to you is a whole lot higher. If you then say, I fucking told you what you need to do and you just keep going back, I I give up, there's nothing I can do, I fucking give up, they're also going to give up, okay? So if someone is in an emotionally abusive relationship, please, please be patient with them. Be there for them. You know, you've got to understand the situation that they're in. It's not as simple as it seems in your mind. It's very complicated, okay? And also remember that a lot of these people that are going through this are very closely monitored and they don't have any resources to themselves, okay? They don't have money. They don't have a source of income. They might not have an alternative home. So be as open as you can and whenever possible, welcome them into your home to help them as well, okay? Now, if you are concerned about someone or if this is happening to you, 
also reach out to a domestic violence hotline. They have advice that's way more intricate than what I can offer um, and support around how to leave or how to support someone who needs to leave um, and offer solutions in that way. So this is just an episode to get you kind of aware of what coercive control is and start getting you aware of if that's happening to you or somebody that you know. I'm definitely not an expert in what to do in these situations as far as reaching out for help or what are the exact steps to take. There are other places that do offer that information. I don't have the, you know, the exact tools or exactly what you should do, but that is the outline of what a coercive controlling relationship is. It is abuse. It is domestic violence. Okay. So it should be taken extremely seriously. These warning signs should be taken very, very seriously, okay? Just because someone is not being physically abused does not mean that that person is not in danger, okay? They are in fucking danger. So very important to keep an eye out for them and whenever possible, very important to be the support that somebody needs if you can be. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's today's episode. If you think of someone that needs to listen to this, please get them to listen to this episode. Um, that is all for today. Love you guys so much. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.